Father, we are so grateful that we can trust you. We are so grateful, Holy Spirit, that in your power we can obey. And Lord, during these difficult days in the midst of this storm, we trust you. And we, we seek your will and your way that you might guide us. Lord, as we faithfully give, we pray that you would use these dollars to provide care and comfort and also the expansion of your kingdom, not only throughout our city, but the nation and the world. Bless those who give. And Lord, allow each of us to know that you are our provider, that you have a plan that we can trust in you. Bless now the preaching of your word. Bless us to respond in faith. Enable us to honor you with our receptivity to what you command and what your word says. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We uh, want to encourage you uh, during this time to, um, to give financially. You do that online. Uh, there at the, uh, on the front page of livehopeful.com, you have the opportunity to do that. We want to encourage you, uh, again, in your faithfulness, your stewardship. It's such an important part of our personal walk with God, but, but also the, uh, the importance of the need to be met through the, the body of believers that, that we might be a blessing to God's kingdom and to the world. Uh, you can, of course, do that by text as well, and snail mail, as they call it. You can certainly mail that in. I would encourage you, if you would, again, humor me if you don't mind, uh, take out your phones and, and take a picture of where you're worshiping, and uh, that's the, my, my screen's kind of yucky there. I'm going to wash it off. Take a picture wherever you are worshiping, and... Um, post it. And, uh, and if you would, tag Living Hope on it. If it's uh, on Twitter, uh, uh, Living Hope BG, or Instagram, or uh, Facebook, uh, just say that you're at Living Hope. Uh, log us as the location. And uh, let's have some fun and let everyone know how we are, we are worshiping this morning. And uh, again, let me encourage you to be mindful that the church, as I said last week, has left the building. It's not just uh, figuratively, it's literally, uh, but we are to be on mission where we are. This year we're, we're talking about how we can see what God is doing. Come see what God can do. We're really focusing on an awakening of, of what God could do in our land through His people, through His church. And we're talking about needing to impact our homes and our neighbors and every generation with the hope of Jesus. We've been saying that since uh, day one, since all the way back in January. And again, what has God done? He's given us the opportunity to be able to have that impact. And so we're in this series right now where we're talking about uh, being at home and how we can have these healthy homes. Now, today we're going to finish this series. Next week we're starting an entire new series. It's a three-part series, and, and I'm really excited about it. I, I so wish we were getting all together, but if this is what God gives us, this is how we will do it. Uh, the, the next series is called See the Greatness of God. And it begins on Palm Sunday and then goes to Easter Sunday. And then the, the third series, the third sermon of that th three-part series will point us to Pentecost. We're going to talk about the promises of God. And so uh, you can see that April 5th, uh, Palm Sunday, God's promise made. We're going to look at Zechariah 9.9 and Matthew 21. That is uh, the, the day that the, the Lord entered into Jerusalem, fulfilling Zechariah 9.9. Of course, April 12th is Easter. And we are going to look at God's promise kept in John 
John, I'm sorry, Luke 24, how Jesus came to redeem uh, his church, his people for himself. And then we're going to, on the 19th, point to Pentecost. And uh, we're going to talk about another promise God made and kept uh, in sending the Holy Spirit. We're going to be looking at John chapter 14. Now, today we are going to finish this series on, on having healthy homes. You know, last week we talked about the importance of divine appointments, how God sets them, and then how we're able to, to meet them and then be able to fulfill God's plan within them. Today we're going to talk about how healthy homes happen through wisdom. Uh, faith or belief uh, in the church in North America in particular, uh, unfortunately for many, has become academic. It's become theoretical. Many people often speak of believing in Jesus, but unfortunately for some, that's just mental assent. See, the Bible speaks of salvation as something a lot more than just something we know or think about. It's something that we do. It's something that we live. It's, it's what really makes us alive. Jesus said that we were to do more than just believe. Jesus said that we, there was an action that we were to take in order to actually be saved and to live in the redeemed life that he has given to us. In Mark chapter 1, verse 15, look what Jesus said we are to do. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. It's not just that we believe, although we do. We repent and believe. We do something more than just say, oh, that's true, that's right, I, I'm okay with that, I agree with that information. No, that, that information changes who we are, it changes the trajectory of our lives. It, it makes us to, to live and to be different. You know, when it comes to belief, one of the things to, to remember is that even the demons of hell believe in Jesus. Uh, the demons have uh, truth claims that they hold to and that they know, but it doesn't save them. It doesn't change them. It doesn't give them a new identity. James chapter 2 verse 19 says this, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. The demons understand who God is through his, the, the Word of God, through the Bible, through God's Word. It's not enough to just believe or to give mental assent. God calls us to live the faith. It's not that we just believe, it's, it's also that we confess, that we proclaim, that, that we announce and say, Jesus is my Lord, not, not only in, in, in how we live, but in, in honesty in what we say. When we come to saving faith, there is an activity that, that we are to participate in. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 tells us of that. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's not just believing, although it is believing. It's also doing something. It's confessing with your mouth that Jesus Christ is your Lord, that he is your Savior. And then you will be saved. To be saved is to experience God's forgiveness. To be saved is to experience God's love. To be saved is to experience new life in Him. Now what we believe is crucial. The object of our faith is what makes our faith either powerful or weak. What we believe, who we believe in is, is critical to, to our life. Everyone's living by faith. Everyone has a set of beliefs. Where have you placed your faith? 
it's not enough that, that we say, you know, I, I believe in God and I know I need to do better and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do better. And my hope is in that I'm going to do better and I'm going to do well enough that, that I can maybe save myself. That's, that's not possible. None of us can undo what's been done. There, there has to be something that we experience, something that happens to us because of what we believe. And, and what happens to a person who is genuinely saved is that the power of the gospel changes us. Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 16, says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. It is revealed from faith for faith. We are able to proclaim the gospel by faith, and then those who receive it in faith are saved. The object of, the, of, the, of our faith, of those who are redeemed, is the gospel. The gospel is the good news that God became human, that He lived a holy life, that He died to atone for our sins, that He has been raised, and now He is reigning from heaven, waiting to return at the, at the Father's command. That is the good news. And in order to experience the good news, we must do something. We must do more than just believe and say, hey, that's true. We actually have to repent. We have to repent and believe. We have to live out this faith. And so when we, when we look at the three circles, when we understand that the world is not as it should be, because sin and brokenness have entered the world, we have to now repent and believe the gospel, the good news that God has come. He's, he became man, that he lived a holy life, that he died to pay for our sins, that he was raised on the third day, that he's now reigning and one day will return. And because he's reigning in us, we can now recover and pursue God's design. It's in recovering and pursuing God's design that, that we become wise. It is wisdom that, that enables a person to pursue and recover God's design. It is wisdom that is revealed in obeying God, trusting and obeying God, pursuing and recovering God's design. And, and this is what we want to talk about today. How do we have a wise life? Understanding that, that those who are wise, they help make a home healthy. Now, our text today reveals fundamental aspects of the wisdom that is required for homes to be healthy. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's now go to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. The book of Proverbs is found pretty much in the middle of your Bible. Uh, it's to the right of Psalms. So if you hit the Psalms, uh, take a right. And let's go now to Proverbs chapter 3. And because this is the Word of God, I know some of you are snuggled under your blankets and you're comfortable where you are. Let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. Unless you're listening to this later and you're in your car, then you continue to drive. But everyone else, let's stand together in honor of God's Word. This is Proverbs chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. I'm going to read through verse 8. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. 
It will be healing to your flesh and, refre- and refreshment to your, to your bones. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. If you would, go ahead and be seated. Let's now, let's now note three things that, that, that we need to understand that we might have healthy families. Uh, this has everything to do with, with wisdom. Understand that healthy families have wisdom that is, first of all, being processed from parents to child. Again, this is a father speaking to his son, and he's, he's telling him to, to obey. He, he says that there's a blessing that comes with it. You know, God's design is for every child to have parents, a mom and a dad. But we also know that the world is not as it should be. Uh, that, that sin has caused brokenness. And in some instances, uh, there's been a death or a divorce. And that there are children who do not have uh, their mom and dad. And that, that's where being a disciple of Jesus is such an advantage. Because a disciple of Jesus is able to lean on the church. And so if you're a single mom, here's what you can know. In our church family, there are many godly men. They're, they're, they're teaching Sunday school classes. They're, they're currently, uh, some of them going to be leading Zoom discussions. These are men that can show your children what a godly man looks like. Uh, some of you single men who are raising your children. There are women in our congregation who have an unbelievable maternal love that can be displayed to your child. Again, uh, as a family of faith, we help each other. We serve Christ by loving one another. And, and this is one of the great ways that we do that as a church family. Now, we understand that every, church, every child, rather, is unique. Every child has a unique gender, age, personality, interest, and spiritual capacity. And it's important that every parent understand their individual child. And if you have multiple children, understanding that each child is different, how they learn, what gets them emotionally charged, uh, what they need to accomplish with their life in order uh, to, to do God's will with their talents, with their gifts. You got to talk, you got to motivate, you, you got to help them engage based on what fits them the best. You know, our older children have been able to watch my wife and I, I raise our younger son, Asher. And it's been really funny over the years how they have watched us discipline him and provide for him and, and lead him. And, and many times they, they would ask us, did I act like that? Is, 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 was I like this? Uh, sometimes they, they would ask, you know, did y'all have to do that for me? I mean, is that something that, that was like a part of, of my, uh, my being raised? And sometimes they would just say, is Asher really like us? I mean, are we like him? Is this, is this going the way it's supposed to go? Here's what I would tell you. Every one of our children, each one is very different. And what we've had to do is to identify that, that special way that God has has made each one, and then to teach them and encourage them and help them along their way. You know, despite all the differences, there's one thing that, that was true for all of them, and one goal that we had in mind for every single one of our children, and that, that was found in Luke chapter 2, verse 52. It says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. 
You know, this has always been our goal for our kids, that they would grow in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Wisdom is, is living out God's will. It's pursuing and recovering God's design. And, and when children are being raised to do this, and when this is, is a, a way that a family is functioning under the word of God, doing the will of God, that wisdom enables health to be created. And so this spiritual and, and relational growth is a process. Remember, Jesus grew. Growth is a process. You know, the, the idea that, you know, occasionally reading the Bible, occasionally if there's enough time uh, gathering for worship, that's not wise. It, it, it's not healthy. It, it's not effective. No, effective, wise Christians, uh, they are those who are always working within a process, always seeking to fulfill God's purpose. You know, uh, students will oftentimes talk of needing to figure out a class, not that they have to figure out the content so much as the teacher, understanding what is the teacher, what is her or his method. Uh, you know, for college students, a lot of times the question is, do they really acquire, uh, require attendance? What are their tests going to be like? And part of learning uh, and, and gaining an education is learning how that teacher teaches, what the process is going to be. And, and effective teachers are those who are able to outline, here's the system, here's the process, here's how we're going to do this, here are the rhythms that we're going to operate under. And it's so important that parents be able to communicate that to their children. Here's how we're going to operate. Here are our rhythms. Here are our systems. You know, right now, many of our rhythms and systems are not functional. And it's now that we need to lean in most uh, urgently to be able to speak to what is most important and why. And be able to say, hey, I know this is different, but we're going to gather to worship with the church on Sunday morning. I know it's live stream. I know it's different. We're going to do it. I know your class is different. I know those Zoom discussions are different. I, I know it's different on Wednesday night. I, I know it's different. But you know what? God's will is that we would gather and be united as best we can with the church. And, and one of the rhythms that always needs to be present within our homes is this constant conversation. You know, events are great. Camps are great. Having these catalytic moments when, when kids uh, experience God, and, and many times those, those can usher in a, a whole other uh, level of experience and, and expectation for how they can honor God. But you know the one thing the thing that, that is, is used over and over, the thing that holds and bears the greatest fruit, it's the day-in, day-out disciple-making process of a parent who loves Jesus and is seeking to make disciples of their children. You know, Deuteronomy 6, we, we've read this before, we'll read it again and again. Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 6, says this. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and, and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. This is a home that is saturated with the truth of God's word. This is a home where God is spoken of often. This is where discussions take place about the goodness and the greatness and the plan of God. Now to do this, we have to create space. 
space in our calendars, space in our minds and our emotions. This takes energy. We have to create space for it. We have to create expectations for our children to know this is a non-negotiable. We gather for worship. We are a part of a congregation. We give financially. We pray. We seek to be a part of what God is doing in the world. We make disciples. And this is just an expectation that is had. It's just what we do. It's just how it is going to be. And then we celebrate growth. As we see growth in our own lives, as we see growth in our children's lives, as we see growth in our home, we need to pause. We need to celebrate. We need to see and and, and point to God and say, Lord, look what you have done. Second thing to take note of, healthy families have wisdom being produced by God's blessing to us. God is producing it. This is a work of God. And so the the father says to the son here, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. There are three very important concepts here, steadfast love, faithfulness, and being forsaken that we we need to dig into just a little bit. This this word, steadfast love, it's the Hebrew word kesed, and that's the word that is typically, it's typically translated as grace. This is God's merciful, gracious kindness. It indicates God's love and grace towards mankind, and it is revealed, it is manifested, it is seen in God's help that He gives to us, His forgiveness that He gives to us, His sympathy and His love and His redemption that He gives to us, and it leads to a relationship with Him that is built on love. So there's the steadfast love, this kesed, and then there's faithfulness, which is the Hebrew word emet. Now, the word emet is is usually translated truth. And, And the word here has the idea of this true, faithful, firm promise of God. This speaks of God, of what He does. And this is telling us that that God's God's goodness, God's love, His truthfulness and stability is always there. He's always going to be who He is. He's always going to do what He says He's going to do. And, and that, 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 that steadfast love and that faithfulness, that, that true being of God, they, they, they work together to create a, a faithful love and a transformed life. And we need to be careful. We need to heed this warning. Let, let it not forsake you. That is, let it not get away from you. Instead, bind this truth. Bind, look what it says. It says, bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. It's important to understand that this was written during the, the, the time of the, of the Old Testament, of course. It's, it, and, and these people, Israelites, they would have been under the covenant of works. Well, we who are now the church, we're under a covenant of grace. And there's a difference. There is a distinction. Uh, the covenant of works that, that Israel was under versus the covenant of grace that the church is under. Now, what is the difference? Well, there's a significant difference. See, under the covenant of works, Israel was to be faithful in order to receive the blessing of God. See, faithfulness to God was the root that produced the fruit of God's blessing. So we read in Deuteronomy 28. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all His commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. So you see, and if you faithfully obey, if you do this, then that is going to happen. Again, in Deuteronomy 28, 15, uh, just jumping down uh, to verse 15. There's the, ne- the negative side of this. 
But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God or be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. And so the blessing of God under the old covenant was dependent upon faithfulness to the, 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 the work of, of God's commands. Now, those who are under the covenant of grace, that is the church. See, the church is able to be faithful because of the blessing of God. It's not our faithfulness that produces the blessing of God. It's the faithfulness of God that produces the, the, the blessing and enables us. See, the faithfulness is the root. God's faithfulness is the root of the blessing of God that comes to fruition in our lives. This is the promise that Jeremiah made in Jeremiah chapter 32, beginning in verse 40. I will make with them. Again, this is futuristic. This is the, the, the promise of the covenant of grace that was to come in Jesus Christ. I will make with them an everlasting covenant that I will not turn away from doing good to them. And I will put the fear of me in their hearts that they may not turn from me. I will rejoice in doing them good. Uh, and this is the promise of God. This is the covenant of grace. And under the covenant of grace, we have a relationship with God that is bound by his love and his love will never grow weak. His love is constant. By faith, we receive his forgiveness. We repent of trusting in ourselves, and instead we turn our lives over to God. And that love that holds us in him, that steadfast love in the faithfulness of God, it will never let us go. Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, verse 38. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Those who are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone will always be drawn to God because of God's steadfast love and His faithfulness. You know, a question is often asked, well, if this is true, then, then why is it sometimes that those who do evil, they seem to be blessed? And we have to understand that the entire world is under what theologians call common grace. That is a, a goodness that God shows to the entire world, but by not bringing down on it the judgment that it actually deserves in any given moment. Common grace is God restraining his justice that he could rightfully pour out on all people. Now, there is a limit to common grace. There is a point at which things will change. Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 24, speaks to those conditions when common grace will, will cease. It says, therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to uh, dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless, shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, look what God did. God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. God gave them over. There's nothing worse that can happen to a human being than for God to give you over. There's nothing worse that can happen in a society than for God to say, okay, you don't want me. You want to do it on your own? You want to do whatever you feel, whatever you like? You want to turn away from my word? Then God, at times, he 
releases people, releases an entire culture and says, have at it. And that is one of the greatest curses that will ever come to a human being and to a culture. We need to pray against this. Certainly we see this in our culture today. And we certainly can understand the, the very significant impact this is going to have. And so we, we, we need to lovingly share the truth. We need to lovingly stand in this truth, understanding who God is, what he's promised, what produces his blessing in our lives. See, that's wisdom. And it, it's God's will that we find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. That's what wisdom does. And so when we're honoring the Lord and we're pursuing him according to his will, which is found in his word, there's wisdom. And, and there's that blessing of, of God's provision, God's grace at work, beyond common grace, redemptive grace that is at work. And all of this is found in God's word. And so the third thing that healthy families have wisdom, they have wisdom being provided by God's word to us. We are told in verse 5, trust in the Lord, lean not on your own understanding. Verse 6, acknowledge Him, He'll make your, uh, straight your paths. Don't, don't think yourselves wise, no, 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 fear the Lord, turn from evil. It will be a healing to your flesh, refreshment to your bones. Friends, we are sinful people, and even our best thoughts and, and, and our, our best deeds, our intentions, they're all traced and contaminated with sin. It's, it's like COVID-19, it, it sticks to you. And, and it, it not only sickens you, but it sickens those who come in contact with you. Everything sin touches, it contaminates. And so our feelings, our thoughts, our, our culture, it's contaminated with sin, and we can't trust them. The wise person trusts in the Lord. The wise person recognizes God good, God's goodness and follows Him. The wise person recognizes their shortcomings and says, I'm not going to do what I want. I'm going to do what honors God. See, when we pursue and recover God's design, it brings healing and hope to our bodies and souls. You know, right now, and, and as always, my, my wife has always uh, sought to look after me. You know, I, I often believe myself to be invincible. And, and so I think I can do everything. I think I can go and I can, I can, I can, I can just trudge through it. And, and many times she lovingly has to pull me aside and say, this is not best. You, you, you've got to understand. And so when I do go out, the same words, hey, be sure to put hand sanitizer on. Hey, be, be careful when you're out there, keep space. You know, she knows I'm an extrovert. She knows I love to be with people. What she does is she speaks truth to me that keeps me well. And that's what God's Word does. The Bible speaks truth that keeps us well. And, and that, that wellness comes from wisdom in obeying what God's Word says. See, God has given His Bible for many reasons. One, so that we can understand reality. What has happened, what is happening, and what's going to happen. It also allows us to understand God, who He is and what He's done, what He's doing, and what He's going to do. It also allows us to understand ourselves, who we are, what went wrong, who can fix us, and why it is we can have hope. You know, when we, we, when we talk about the Bible, we're talking about a, a single story that has four parts, creation, fall, rescue, restoration. Creation tells us what God has done. Uh, the, the fall and rescue, it speaks to what God is now doing based on the fact that we turned against God. God has still chosen to love us. And there is a restoration that is coming. It tells us what God is doing, what He's done. What did He do? He made all things for His glory. Even though we contaminated with sin, He's now seeking to rescue us. This is the kind of God He is. And, and one day He will restore all things. The Bible helps us understand who we are. We've been made in the image of God. 
We have turned away from God, and that's why there's brokenness in our world. God is willing to rescue us, and if we will repent and believe the gospel, then we can pursue and recover God's design, and we can experience some of the restoration now and all of the restoration in the days that come. Now, all of us are inside of the story of God, creation, fall, rescue, restoration. I wonder where you are. Are you at a place where you're living in sin and brokenness today? You need to come out of that. You need to repent and believe the gospel and be rescued from the the power and punishment of sin and experience new life in Christ so that you can be wise, so that you can pursue and recover God's design. That's what's going to make your life healthy. That's what's going to make your home healthy. It's God's provision. It's God's blessing. But you must choose. Have you Have you chosen to repent and believe the gospel? I'm not saying, do you believe in Bible facts? I'm not just saying, do you you believe uh, uh, in, in things that the church teaches? No, no, no. Have you experienced Jesus Christ? Have you repented and believed in faith and prayed, oh God, I confess you are my Savior, you're my Lord. Come into my life, take over. If you've never done that, do it right now. Do it right now and be saved, be forgiven, be loved, receive and experience new life in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you are a child of God, if you have experienced this gospel, ask yourself this question, are you really living wisely? Are you really pursuing and recovering God's design? Or have you fallen back in sin? Are you causing brokenness with your words and your attitudes and your actions? Friends, repent and believe the gospel, not for salvation, but for revival and renewal. And ask God for help. Ask God to heal your home. Ask God to heal broken relationships. Ask God to heal our land. Ask God to to bring an awakening and a revival. Ask God to do what only he can do, which is take what is broken and make it whole and heal. You can do that right now. As a matter of fact, let's do that right now. Let's now bow and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for your son, Jesus, who is God in the flesh. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for illuminating truth, for bringing new life that we might believe. Father, I pray that that is happening for some even right now, that they are, they are confessing that they need you because they believe that Jesus, that you died for their sin and have been raised. And they're right now asking you to forgive them, to give them new life, to love them forever in, in, in your kessed, your, your grace, your unending love. Father, I pray for some who honestly would say, I'm not being wise. I'm not, I'm not living in a system and a rhythm that honors God, that strengthens my faith that teaches my children and my friends who Jesus is and and, and how much he loves us. Lord, hear the repentance of the heart of your children and renew their faith. Father, we are praying for an awakening in our city, in our land, throughout the world. For your glory, O God, save sinners. Use your church to make disciples. Bless Living Hope to be trained in three big things. I pray that each member will be trained in three big things and be having these conversations, these gospel conversations with their family members, with their friends, on Zoom, uh, from, from a distance, physically distanced, but, but not socially distanced because in love they are sharing the hope they have. 
Father, we believe that this is your will. And so we ask that you would do this for your glory and for our blessing. We ask it in the power of the Holy Spirit to the praise of the Father in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, friends, I pray that today has been a help to you. I pray that you're encouraged. I pray that you've been challenged. I do want to remind you to, to meet with me Tuesday and Thursday and Saturday night, seven o'clock, me and Charlie. We want to give you updates. Part of it is we just want you to see that, that other people are struggling and okay. And maybe we'll have a few laughs along the way. You never know what Charlie might do. I also want to encourage you to be in prayer. Be sure and go and download the prayer guide tonight that we'll post on social media. Pray for that awakening. Pray for those daily needs with a prayer focus. And again, I look forward to seeing you very soon. Students, gather on Wednesday night. Get in your Zoom discussion groups. Parents, have these discussions with your children on what they studied today. And until we meet again, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his countenance upon you and give you peace. We'll see you soon.